You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Season 3, Episode 12, The Salvation Army. To many, the red kettles are the symbol that Christmas time is here. It has been so ingrained in our culture that almost every major movie or television episode about Christmas time, especially in a major city, includes reference to the Salvation Army. So what lies beneath the bell rigging? What is the organization actually about? How come they have such a cozy relationship with governments all over the world? We're going to talk to somebody today who has experience being inside the Salvation Army, and she's going to talk to us about what it was like for her and what ultimately led her to make the decision to leave. My guest today is Rachel. Welcome, Rachel. Rachel, let's go back to the very beginning. Were you born into the Salvation Army or did you join later? Technically, I was born into it. Um, My father's, I suppose my my great-grandparents on my father's side have uh, been involved in the Salvation Army that long. And um, my mother actually started getting involved because she was uh, part of the social work. And um, those two met and um, here I am. Uh, Now, as far as um, actual ministry or, you know, going, we would go to services, Easter, Christmas, that type of thing. Um, But as far as like actually being in it, um, I want to say that started around uh, probably 13 or 14 when a new core officer family came. Um, They were very focused on youth ministry. And um, my mother was actually on her way to becoming an officer before she met my father, uh, who was not a soldier or anything like that. Um, but because of their marriage, that kind of went to the wayside. So when I started uh, getting back into the church, it was almost like a second shot, uh, shot for uh, for our family to um, kind of go up the ranks, if that makes sense. There are two sides of it, really. Um, there is the, the bread-and-born army officer you know, army soldier going up the ranks. Uh, and then there's also people that have been pulled in from the social side of it, uh, which the separation of church and state is very, very blurry with the organization um, because not only is the officer who's in charge of the core uh, a, a pastor, uh, you know, a minister, they're also a social worker. Uh, they take care of all of the, you know, if somebody needs food, we have a food bank. If someone needs help with their uh, their bills, their electric, their their heating, um, we do the angel trees at, at Christmas time, uh, the the bell ringers, all that stuff. Uh, so, you know, in order to uh, kind of get uh, more people into the church, a lot of the times they will minister to. Uh, the people that they they serve as far as the the social aspect goes too. 
Most of our listeners won't know what the Salvation Army is about, so can you give me the nutshell version of what the Salvation Army actually is? I believe it was started sometime in the 1800s, uh, 1860s, possibly. Uh, it was originally um, the founders, uh, William Booth and Catherine Booth, they were uh, originally from a Methodist offset. I believe it was Wesleyan Methodist. Um, and it was, in theory, it's it's a good practice. If you're, you know, if you're into Christianity, all that stuff, uh, it's kind of like a Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You can't serve, you can't help save a person's soul unless you help them with their, their physical needs. Uh, so one of their big little slogans was soup, soap, salvation. Uh, we want to be able to help people um, so that they can worry about uh, more, you know, ethereal things. On the surface, that's very noble. Yes, and and that's the thing. Like, if you look at the uh, the doctrine and things like that, it's it's basic, you know, simple Christianity. Uh, when you get down to it. So when people think about that, they probably think about like cool reverends from the nineteen seventies kind of a thing, but. What are the actual core beliefs of the organization? They, they do have, uh, I believe it's called something different now, but it might, it, when I was still in it, they, they call them the Articles of War, uh, which, you know, kind of said everything's quasi-militaristic uh, in, in the Salvation Army. Uh, but as far as the core beliefs, I would say it's it's mostly helping people find Christ through uh, through charity. Um, they're also very evangelical, so uh, that is their main goal. No matter how much good they do in the community, it's always to get more followers to their religion. So if you're a child and you're in the Salvation Army, what are the expectations? Do you go to Sunday school? Um, Do you go to normal services? Sure. Um, Now, usually uh, there there is a separate... um, Children's Sunday school. Uh, as far as the services go, it would be you know, the 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 officer would you know greet you. You would sing some hymns, maybe do a scripture reading. Uh, a lot of the times, they would then let the children go to a Sunday school class um, so that they could do the, the main sermon. Um, and then we also <laughs> they also have a thing called um, the mercy seat, which at the end it's always a, a call to call to the altar. Um, one of the things with the Salvation Army is, and I guess with, with some other uh, sects of Christianity too, is that uh, salvation is a constant thing that you need to ask for. Uh, so at the end of every service, it would usually end with um, an altar call. So people would go up, there's a little bench, um, similar to uh, the, the uh, little benches at the end of um, the pews in, in like a Catholic church. Uh, they would be right up next to the the stage uh, where the pulpit would be. And uh, it's usually a very, even if it, it happens every single week, it's usually just a very emotional experience. You know, you, you're throwing yourself at the altar and, and asking God to forgive you. And um, it's a lot of uh, emotional manipulation sometimes with that too. Um, but as far as... Uh, Growing up, as far as the, the children's ministry is concerned, um, they have uh, junior soldiers. They have um, 
a program for younger kids called Sunbeams, and I believe there is a, a boy version of that now too. It's Sunbeams is kind of like a brownies or Girl Scouts organization um, that's faith based. Uh, and then yes, there are junior soldier classes, and um, to become a full soldier, you only have to be 14, which is a big ask for uh, a teenager, especially um, with the Salvation Army. They don't take, um, they don't do uh, baptisms. They don't do, um, oh gosh, what is it called? Um, with the wine and the wafers. Uh, <laughs> yes, communion. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, one of the, the big things, especially uh, because it was founded in, in London's East End, there was a lot of, you know, sin there. There was uh, drinking and revelry and uh, sex before marriage. And so one of the, the main things is uh, sobriety. And you can see that with the adult rehabilitation centers that they have in their, um, in the more social aspects of the, the organization too. So one of the, um, one of the, uh, things that they ask you uh, um, when you become a soldier is to stay away from drink or smoking. And at 14, uh, you've never even had those things, hopefully, you know, that young. But um, so it's a lot of uh, willpower um, based uh, faith, if that makes sense. So what was it like for you growing up? Did you have friends who were outside of the Salvation Army organization did you go to, you know, a, a, just a secular school? Oh, sure. Um, I, I definitely had friends outside of, of the Army. Um, went to a regular public school. Um, as far as I knew, it was just a little different as far as, you know, the Army wore uniforms and things like that. But um, as far as the actual faith part of it uh, didn't seem that much different to me than, uh, you know, going to a Protestant church or going to, you know, a Methodist church or anything like that. Did you grow up somewhere with more churchgoers than not? I would say 50-50 mix, um, you know, rural Pennsylvania. So it's, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the adult services. What were they like? Sure. Um well, uh, the, as far as the worship services, um, depending on how big your core is, you might have different um, different people do different things. Um, but I, I grew up in a very small uh, poor, poor core. So uh, what we would do would, you know, the, the pastor would greet every, or the officer would greet everyone. Um, there would be singing. Uh, there would be some scripture reading from different members of the church uh, before the actual service started. There would be a, a Sunday school for adults as well, just going through different parts of the Bible. Um, there would also be, you know, soldier classes uh, to become a member of the official member of the church too after the services. Um, but honestly, it, it was just really, a, you know, just a normal kind of service. A lot of older hymns and then um, some newer stuff, you know, casting crowns and all of the, those types of rock bands. Um, but it really didn't seem that much different as far as um, the actual just services, they have, you know, week to week. Can you tell me what's involved with joining the leadership path? Um, well, I think it's uh, really dependent person to person. Uh, they seem to take uh, 
so like I said, they, they do have people that come in from um, from outside the church. And depending on your skill set or your passion, um, you know, they might say, hey, do you want to go to uh, a divisional program this week? Or, you know, this month we're having a, um, a women's weekend up at, up at our camp. Uh, so really uh, what they try to do is if they see somebody that's passionate about something, they'll try to put them into a leadership role within the church first, uh, within the home core. And if um, that starts to work out, uh, then it goes up to a divisional program. Uh, division is, it's it's a very corporate structure. Uh, so uh, there are about like, I think, 12 or 14 different core in, in a division. And then you go up to a territory and then national and then international. Um, but basically, if, if you show any, any kind of skill, any kind of talent, uh, they are going to want to keep you and uh, keep you happy. And, um, you know, just try everything that they can to keep you um, there and to, uh, I don't really want to say use you, but sometimes it definitely feels like that. Um, you know, I was probably like 16 um, leading programs for 12-year-olds. I didn't have the, the training to do that. Um, <laughs> I didn't have any, you know, licenses or anything like that. So a lot of the times that's what, what happens, I mean, growing up in it. Um, now somebody from the outside, like as far as my, my mother was concerned, um, she came in from the outside, uh, had a lot of biblical knowledge. So immediately, um, as soon as she was uh, attending services, they made her the, um, the Sunday school teacher. Uh, she wasn't even a soldier at that point. Uh, but it seems like they are very desperate to get, um, you know, well-educated and well-versed uh, people, even if they don't have the specific training that's needed for some of these positions. What sort of things would you be expected to do while you're going through this? And how many ranks are there? Um, the highest, it's it's general. General is the pretty much the Pope of the Salvation Army, as far as hierarchy goes. Um, um, as far as just a normal member of the church, it really is basically soldier um, there are some other specialty ones like uh, youth ministry core leader and different things like that as far as like the band goes. Um, but the hierarchy is really um, mostly specifically to the, the clergy in the church, the officers. So is there an actual seminary that people can attend? Uh, so once you um, once you've been in in the army and you you are a soldier and you've expressed interest in uh, joining the clergy, they do have separate officer schools, uh, schools for officer training. Uh, usually, it's a um, two year program. Uh, you get an associate's degree at the end uh, in pastoral work, I believe. I don't know the exact um, the degree, but I know it is an associate's. Um, but you would go there and you would do. Um, lessons on social work, you would do classes on, on biblical teaching, uh, classes on the history of the Salvation Army and what you would need to do to, um, to run a corps. Uh, as far as lay people, there are things called envoys, which are um, leaders in the church that didn't necessarily go to training but have been in the army long enough and um, are, are talented enough and are uh, important enough to still have an officer-like um, ranking. So are there medals and sort of different kind of livery, depending on which rank you hold? Uh, so the 
the um, yes, the uniforms. Uh, really, it's just the the color coded epaulets on the so the shoulders. Um, the blue is for soldiers. Um, the red would be for an officer, and then um, depending on which rank you are, I believe it's lieutenant, captain, major. Some in between uh, commissioner and general is the highest. And uh, depending on what you are, as far as that, you would have different stars or different insignia on, on those. To unlock the rest of this episode, visit patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. It's only $5 to unlock over 20 hours of content.